Welcome to season two of the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter expert to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Mike Rizzo. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, everybody, and hello, Kamala. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm Mike Rizzo. I am the founder of a community known as MoPros. You can find us at themopros.com, and it stands for Marketing Operations Professionals. So all we do is talk shop about marketing ops pretty much all day long, which is how I got to meet you and (laughs) all of the wonderful conversations we've already had. (laughs) Yes, I was going to say, I I may have heard of the community here and there. It's quite popular. Popular. Yeah. Uh, we've had some of your like pioneer members on our show. I know Jeff Q is a huge fan. So Jeff's great. Welcome. I love Jeff. Yeah. And oh my gosh. So knowledgeable, so helpful, so generous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has one of the uh, top listened to episodes on our little podcast that we do for our community as well. So, oh. you know, which is all about data attribution, coincidentally. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> so it's yeah. strange that you know him. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's funny that on his episode we talked about uh building a team that wants to stay stay rather than attribution. But if we talked about attribution all the time, I doubt people would tune in every week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, this episode is not about attribution. We're gonna talk <laughs> about communities, and I'm really excited because we're talking to somebody who knows a lot about the subject. So we're discussing which data points we should cover. I think one of the most fundamental we should probably talk about is what kind of mindset companies should have if they're thinking about starting a community. Oh, yeah. The mindset should definitely be a very similar approach to the one that you have when you are thinking about your SEO strategy, right? You need to put in the work. You need to put in the research. You need to hire the right talent and then you need to wait for the results and it is a long game right and you know game might not be the right word for it but like you do have to put in the effort and expect that you cannot make a one-to-one correlation for your revenue growth or your lack of churn or your upsell capabilities all because of the effort that you put into seo or community for that matter but it's important and it's a core capability of your go-to-market strategy. And if you want to be seen as a thought leader, community and SEO have a lot of parallels to one another in that regard. If you build a community, you're building it for the purpose of creating value, right? And so your mindset needs to be value creation first. Yeah. Nobody likes feature spewing. So (laughs) (laughs) if all you're doing is talking about your product, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And then it's not a part-time proposition. It's not something you can set and forget. So what are the things people have to think about when they go about building a community? I think it comes down to who's it for and why. It's a little bit of the why, which is, you know, it's an easy blanket statement to say. Um, but if you really dive into sort of what happens in the community building landscape, I mean, there is... Uh, a lot of very meta content in the world around this topic. There are communities for community builders and there are a lot of community experts and thought leaders out there. So, you know, I I really just uh, sank my teeth into a lot of what's sort of available in the market in that regard. Mm -hmm. But when you're thinking about the who it's for and the why, 
the thing that always comes to mind for me is this model that's referred to as the spaces model, which was popularized by this group called CMX. Um, now they're owned by an organization known as Bevy. Um, but the spaces model is an acronym, acronym that stands for uh, support, product, acquisition, contribution, engagement, or success. And each one of those have a very different flavor of the type of content that you're producing and why you're producing the community to begin with. So just for the sake of example, a product oriented community is intended on gathering feedback and insight from your members to improve your product offerings. And if you're very purposeful in that mission and you're very clear and transparent about it, then that's okay. People understand what they're getting there for, right? But if you're all about maybe just contribution, for example, you're thinking about increasing the successful contributions of content or code. You can think like GitHub, right? Mm -hmm. Actions or resources to a collaborative platform so that everybody can learn together. And so that's a very different mission, right? And you're trying mm -hmm. to encourage people to come back and provide more content and more resources for the greater good, which means the art way you architect your community environment, whether that's hosted in a you know, a forum or on a website or on some sort of like community cloud product out there, you might pick one of those platforms very specifically because it helps you support whatever it is that you're trying to do. And I think this can be applied to a lot of different channels right now. So I see a lot of marketers moving towards a more authentic um, content creator centric approach where you have a voice of the company, they're vocal, outspoken and on brand. But if they aren't authentic, no one wants to listen to them. And I feel like that applies to just about anything in marketing right now is that people see through anything really quickly. So you're not if you're not in it with some sincerity, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's a problem. And then if you're not defining your objective mission goal before you do it, this applies to podcasting too. Like I knew there was a lot of operation marketing operations podcasts out there. What can we offer that's a little bit different? Maybe focusing on moving people up to executive level. Cool. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just kind of finding a niche that you care about and are passionate about goes a long way. I think people can, it's just getting easier and easier to see through some of the community efforts out there. I think you guys have done a really great job. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And and I'm, I'm glad you knew there were a lot of marketing ops podcasts because I certainly didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like looking for them, you know, early on in my career. And then we just sort of had this bright idea, like, why don't we just do like this radio show and it turned into a podcast? So, you know, now we're... Well, we're unlike communities, <laughs> though, podcasts are something that people consume like crazy. So you mm. can listen to, like, I'm a true crime fan. So I've got morbid uh <laughs> you know like uh my favorite murder there's just so many of them yeah they're easy to consume that's for sure Well, and they promote each other like we're doing right now like i think people Absolutely. should listen to your podcast and and that's okay because there's enough space for both of us oh, yeah. all of us i say the same thing about communities in general like mopros isn't the place necessarily for everyone right you like you might be a marketing operations professional but you might really enjoy the vibe of an entirely different community that is you know, still tangentially like connected to your role, but like, you know, each community is going to have a different flavor and a different feel and that's okay. Like 
that, you know, you need to find your place and your people. And, you know, if that's us, great. If that's somebody else, great. Like, that's the thing though. Like once you find your community, that's where you're going to be spending the majority of your time. It's not as like, to be honest, we've bounced around restarting up a community. We started years ago and then just let languish. And I'm looking at all of the really robust communities out there like MoPros and it just doesn't make sense at this point unless we can think of something very niche. Yeah, I think again, getting back to that idea of you know, if you know, you you focus your podcast on a on a a way to try to elevate somebody to an executive status or something like that, right? Like really helping people find that path. And and I think if you're an organization thinking about community or creating content that has authenticity to it, sometimes it's about what your organization is passionate about or in terms of maybe that's being a thought leader or what have mm-hmm. you, but sometimes you don't know. And so I will tell you that like when I was in a previous role, I was asked to build, you know, the very first community they'd had and the client advisory board program. And I went into it just, yeah, I have no idea. Right. Like I got to go talk <laughs> to all of the customers. Right. Uh-huh. What do you want? What do you, what do, what does a successful community look like to you? You want to go build community, build it with your community, right? Yeah. Like, ask them. Yeah. <laughs> and because if you don't have an opinion, right. And, and like, it's okay to come to the table and offer an opinion and say, does that resonate? Does that jive? Is there something we're not thinking about? But oftentimes, like you may not even have that and it's okay to go ask. And that's what I encourage a lot of community builders to do is, just to say, hey, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and see what people want and then go build that. <laughs> and that's true for product, right? Like when you're building an actual product, that's how yes. product builders build product. Yeah. Um, so that's the other analogy I can draw is, is building community is no different than building a, a startup, like a product SaaS product or something like that. You, you have a hunch, you want to validate that hunch, put it into the market early and quickly fail fast and iterate and improve, do that alongside your customers the whole way through. And you're going to create a product that people actually want to adopt. Right. And all this makes it sound like I had this grand vision in mind and I definitely did not. Right. Like (laughs) I started this community back in my day, like just purely selfishly for myself because I was super alone in my role and, and, and then it grew from there. So um, well, you were not yeah. alone in that feeling, quite obviously, and I'm yeah. glad it took off. So speaking of taking off, when did you decide this was a full-time thing? It was about a year ago, almost. Uh, I was afforded the opportunity to go focus on it full-time. And it just, it's where my passion is, really, at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Like, I love marketing operations and MarTech. And... I didn't realize that through all of my sort of entrepreneurial endeavors that I had lightly tackled in my life, that they were all very community oriented. Mm-hmm. A good example of that is I started in a, I had this idea um, too, but the short version is one of them was called productfeedback.io. Sounds exactly like what it was for. That's to bring people together and provide product feedback because they kept asking me for my opinions on their product. I was like, there's got to be other people who want to do this. <laughs> uh, and then the other one was called Millenniaire. And it was a way to tell stories of successful millennials. And so I wanted to pull together millennials and tell their success stories. We're not all lazy, right? <laughs> no. We do work hard. And, and I was like, gosh, I guess I really do like community stuff. And so about a year ago, I was like, 
yeah, this is my jam. I love marketing technology and marketing operations, and I am really passionate about community. So I'm going to go focus on that. Well, and I, I got to put in a plug for our own people because it's, it's one of the professions I think that exists out there. Not all of them are like this, where people are eager to share with one another and lift each other up because part of that may be because there just aren't enough of us and we want to see people stick around. I I don't know. Yeah. I think I I agree. I think part of it is that we want to see people stick around. Um, But definitely like the reason I started this like Slack channel that we all have today is purely about how do I tell somebody what I'm working on and how do I learn from what they're working on? Because I don't want to recreate the wheel every single time I go do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I certainly do not want to have to recreate the wheel. Like when I step into a new org and take over a product that somebody already kind of implemented, right? Mm -hmm. I would rather have systems in place that I understand. There's a common knowledge. And that I think at its core, when you see how much a marketing ops person enjoys documentation and really adhering to process and naming conventions and all the things that like make me get you know, a smile on my face, like, Ooh, naming conventions. Like, yeah, that's great. I'm in right. All of that stuff at its core comes down to, we want to make it easy to scale. We want to make it effective and efficient. And we want to be able to walk away from the role. I mean, heaven forbid, if any one of us got hit by a bus, right. Someone ideally would be able to pick up and, you know, hopefully keep things moving and, and, and not have a, a delay and how long it would take them to get ramped up, right? And so, of course, knowledge sharing is a core component of that. And I think that the community thrives from that sort of like core persona type that seems to be prevalent throughout the, you know, experts in the field, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned this is a full-time thing for you. For people thinking about starting a community who want to do it right, what kind of roles and functions should they, and I'm saying this in plural on purpose, should they be thinking about? (laughs) Yeah. So gosh, roles and functions. I think being a community builder is, is definitely a mixed bag of content creator, you know, go to market strategist, purely a good communicator and project manager, as well as just like a, a kind of a, for lack of a better term, a salesperson, right? Like you you do have to be marketing and selling the value to people every day. What's nice about, I will say what's nice about building community is that if it has a very clear value and purpose, like you're again, falling back on this idea of like transparency and like why you want it to exist, the whole like quote unquote selling bit is a lot easier, right? People just understand right out the gate. Like, okay, like this is either for me or it's not for me. And so the roles you need to be thinking of are definitely like project management is number, like number, number, number one, for sure. Mm -hmm. As soon as you come up with a bunch of campaign ideas for how to bring people together and have really good, valuable conversations, whether that's like a go-to-market effort or just like purely a community engagement strategy, managing that project and all of the different line items that go into it as you go to scale are, you know, you'll, you will fail if you don't have good time management. <laughs> oh, and just staying on top of all the communications and making sure people are following the rules. I think one of the most interesting jobs I had as a freelance writer was writing rules for a community. And I positioned it as 
parents driving a van <laughs> and, and monitoring what's happening in the van and we will pull the van over and you will be left on the side of the highway. <laughs> How do you, do you guys run into any issues? Do you have to kind of police the community at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kicked out a founder of a company that was acquired only in the last couple of months, but back in the day they popped in and he just was like, like spamming something in there. And I was like, God, you know, I'm sorry that I have to make you the example, but I literally mm -hmm. have to go delete your thing and then give you the boot. Mm -hmm. We can talk later. If you want to have like an organic conversation with the community, there's healthy ways to do that, but you yeah. can't come in and spam. And yeah. So or direct are, message people. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I mean the, the, like people will tell, you know, the organizers, like they want to feel that their community is a safe place for open collaboration. And it's important to make sure that you act at, if you're especially like a team of one, like myself, I've got a team of two technically. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but when I first got this thing going, you really have to be on top of the moderation stuff, like really. And that takes practice. I, you know, I don't like being, Hey, like you can't do that. Like, I don't want to be a, a mean person or anything like that. But at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're protecting the value of this organization and the values that everybody else knows that you've written down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they expect you to do that. And by being protective of them, you're being protective of the sort of like sanctity of what becomes the community. So yeah, you definitely have to be on top of moderation. So as we were discussing topics, something came up that was super interesting to me, and this just makes sense. So as more and more technologies are coming out to facilitate communities, this idea of community operations is becoming more and more of a thing. Where do you see that position landing in an organization eventually? I know we're all over the place right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, goodness. Yeah, it is. It is really a a big topic to think about just like marketing ops tends to have its you know relationships across the organization from sales to you know partners and you name it community you can imagine will will actually have almost more <laughs> to just to paint a picture for a second when i was running that initial community program at that um, SaaS company i had inputs from the knowledge team which was one team of itself the product team, which was a totally different team, the client success org, the marketing org, and the support team. There were five different teams, literal different teams with different leadership, like heads of leaders, all having input on what this thing should become. Doesn't surprise me and, at all. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, 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 and in that case at the time, the, fun the function of community rolled into client success and eventually went into marketing. Community ops, I do think, is a new frontier, and it is absolutely looking at the data layers that come in from community, especially when you think about like a B2B SaaS organization who is building a maybe a support-oriented community that's meant to help reduce churn, reduce tickets, increase the connectivity between their customers so they can learn from one another. And so you need a, a way to build the right tools so everything from like an enterprise search product that allows you to index all of your content that's coming into the community and how does that information get distributed back to a client success organization and enable them to have more educated conversations around 
the problems that their key accounts are experiencing, you know, from the forum side, not the ticketing side. How do mm -hmm. you take the learnings that are happening in the knowledge base or sorry, in the forum itself and apply that back to help articles in the knowledge base so you can reduce churn because you're giving people what they need faster. Yeah. And I think Salesforce did it well. Uh, they kind of, <laughs> well, I mean, they had, I know they're huge, but they did have people kind of trolling the comments in terms of like, oh, this looks solvable. Here's, here's a knowledge article. Now, were they always spot on? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sure. But, <laughs> but they were trying. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So the function of community ops, I do think it, you know, time will tell where it falls. I think it is going to fall into different um, organizations, like different departments in different mm -hmm. organizations, much like community will as a kind of community manager, so to speak, would fall into different parts of the organization. I think being able to look at the data layers that come into a community function needs to have a lens of marketing as well, which is why I think there's a possibility we will see these marketing ops folks kind of advising the possible on someone who's more community oriented, who uh, enjoys the the program creation, right? Like the strategic program creation components of it and being able to say, hey, we need to be able to find all of our champions and then enable them to lead sessions on how to better educate the market about our tool or the problems in the market or what have you. So that's somebody who's creating a program with a strategic vision, but then they're saying, I also need that information to pass through to these systems and to store it in a way that's usable in the future so that we can find more members like them, so that mm -hmm. we can find more clients like them. And there's going to be this weird or not weird, but just this very sort of beautiful and natural crossover between what happens in a marketing ops function and what happens in a community ops function, where I'm trying to enable this go-to-market strategy bit for the community. I also need to be able to send emails. Is that is that Marketo? Is that HubSpot? How do I do that? You know, so it's going to happen. It's happening. We're seeing it. Uh, but I'm working with other thought leaders in the space to say like, how do we figure out what community ops is? And, you know, how do we create the sort of definition of that? Um, or how, do, how does marketing ops help support the definition of what becomes community ops? Because I think there's a lot to learn from uh, an industry like marketing ops that's been around for a long time. Not that long, but certainly longer than community ops. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have an opportunity to help. Yeah, the evolution. Marketing ops isn't that old, but it's certainly older than revenue operations and community <laughs> operations. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that like, I would not expect to see a community ops role sit in a RevOps umbrella. I think it depends on how you define RevOps. So I see a lot of, there's kind of the split. So I think originally I was seeing a lot of organizations bring in, and I'm very passionate about this, so sorry. Oh, no, uh, so I. I'm like so excited to hear your mm, definition right now because we just, you know. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of organizations started out as more of a, a revenue, business intelligence, analytics, very sales-centric, sometimes marketing looped in there too, but usually pretty sales-centric. Some of the most cutting-edge organizations that I've seen have incorporated all of the aspects of marketing sales and customer success. Yeah. They still have specialization because you can't own all of the tools or all of the analytics, but the teams are kind of split out more in terms of 
skill set. So you've got your technologists, your analysts. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. I can see community falling there potentially. Yeah. But we'll see. I could I could see it potentially. I, I think it's less likely. I'm with you in that I think the leaders, the standout leaders that are building RevOps orgs are creating an umbrella that includes client success, sales, and marketing ops, um, mm-hmm. you know, with all those sort of analyst analytics capabilities, a part of that team as well. And, and a lot of that comes down to the visibility of what are you doing? Uh, I, I think a clear example of this is, hey, a really big customer is about to come on board and they're going to onboard you know, hundreds of thousands of users, right? And so the client success org knows this because they they did this amazing upsell or whatever. But, oh, by the way, when those all get dropped into our Salesforce org, they're going to get synced over to my Mark, like Marketo or my HubSpot or what have you. And if like you don't have a room full of your ops people talking about this thing that's yeah. about to happen, that marketer, mm-hmm. that marketing ops person... It's going to be like, whoa, our database just got flooded with hundreds of thousands of users. What happened? Yeah. And I've been on the other side of that equation, too, where marketing makes a change, not understanding how it impacts the systems downstream. Mm -hmm. And users get locked out of Salesforce at the end of the quarter. Oh, oh, brutal. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it happens. And when you rely on operations professionals to meet on their own, I'm sorry, but it just doesn't happen often enough. So when you can have a technology team on the same team with those dotted lines to where they need to go, I think it's just, maybe we should have spoken about revenue operations instead of community today. (laughs) (laughs) I feel very, I'm I'm very passionate about that topic too, but I, I think it's largely just to maybe hopefully put a, put a, you know, period on it. It's largely still sales focused, like, which is it's, unfortunate. It's super unfortunate. I did, and maybe just to just to add into this idea of going back into the community topic, um, mm-hmm. there was an organization uh, formerly known as MoCA, stood for um, <laughs> it's a mouthful, Marketing Operations Cross Country Alliance. It was a nonprofit organization that was turned the Growth Ops community more recently in the last couple of years, and that was led by by a friend of mine. And what she talks about is um, why Growth Ops is a better way to think about. Not that we all need yet another <laughs> term to go with, but why no, it's I, a better I, mindset. That episode we had. That episode is it, Melissa? Yeah, it's Melissa. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she happens to be my neighbor. I never knew her before MoPros and started. And then I met her and I was like, you're 20 minutes away. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, hilarious. So we met only when all this really started happening. And I really believe in what she's talking about. We met for oh, yeah. coffee and I'm like, yes, I actually think that that's a much better way to think about it because it's growth for the sake of your clients, not revenue for the sake of the business. And revenue can cost yep. you clients. Right. Yes, absolutely. There's two ways to grow, or at least. Oh, and nice. <laughs> uh, one of them is not pretty. We will put a link in the show notes to Melissa's episode for those who are interested and a link to the MoPros community. So, yeah, Mike, Maybe. thank you very much. This has been great. Where can people find the community and yourself online? Yeah, community can be found at the mopros.com, themopros.com. And I am on LinkedIn, mostly Mike D is in David Rizzo, R-I-Z-Z-O. You can find me on Twitter the same. So just type in Mike D Rizzo on the end of those URL strings and you'll find me. 
Wonderful. And for those of you listening, enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. And for those of you looking for more content like this, check out gallivermind.com. 